Welcome, listeners, to a critical discussion about the basement level of the wealth elevator. Picture this as the bedrock of your financial journey, a space where complexity often overshadows clarity. You've gleaned the basics that we talked about last week, yet you find yourself in a realm of a whole bunch of financial advice out there. Most of which is difficult to find your way through because a lot of you guys who do come to this podcast and our website are more higher net worth investors, and it's difficult to sort through the plethora of information out there made more for the masses. I often say that the basement level is the hardest point to jump through, even if you have a good-paying job, have a decent amount of net worth, because of this information overload from outside sources. And in fact, transcending this stage is really about getting over that information overload and honing your understanding of your own personal financial standing. You've moved beyond the novice stage, yet the road remains unclear without this visual purpose of the wealth elevator ascending through the basement, the first floor, second floor, and then up to the penthouse. The basement level demands discernment. It's a bit of a workshop. It's a space for redefining your financial tools, a detailing process aligning your future strategies with your current positioning. I've been here in the basement. My story: I graduated college back in 2007. And I call this the linear path, where I was taught to go to school, study hard, get a good job, work at that job for thirty, forty years, be really frugal with my money, and save it up, and invest in the four hundred one k traditional investments, buy a house to live in. And you know what? It works. It really does. It just takes way too long, and you pay a heck of a lot of taxes along that road. And I always thought that there was a better way of doing this, other than just being super frugal with your money. Not so long ago, me graduating college, and yeah, sure, inflation didn't happen yet, but I made a pretty decent. Let's just call it low six-figure income in today's numbers. I was not a computer programmer; I was more on the civil engineering side. Therefore, I didn't get paid that amazing salary. But at the time of you know 2008, 2019 financial crisis, I was pretty happy to have a good-paying job, and more importantly, I was able to save twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year from my paycheck. And that's what I talk to a lot of investors these days when we do the coaching calls. Which you guys, when you get tied into the website, you can access all the past coaching calls. It's really not what you make at your job, but it's really more what is the net at the end of the day, meaning all your income minus all your personal expenses. That's the net. When I first started out after college, working my job, I would go through and look through all the personal financial blogs out there, and again, just diving through all this material. A lot of these were written, and I can remember even in junior year of college when I didn't even have a job, I would be interested in this stuff. I do even remember back in high school, I would read Kiplinger magazine and Money magazine, and looking back, what a strange type of hobby was that for a teenager. But that's what I did. I didn't know why, but I was very interested in it. And for the most part, finances and money was a big hobby to me back then, as it is now. I got into travel in college, and shortly thereafter, I got really involved in travel credit card hacking, getting the points, and more importantly, back then you could get all these credit cards. You could do zero percent balance transfer offers, and you could go into a lot of these rewards checking accounts, which were new back in the two thousand eight, two thousand and ten time period. And I was making really good money, like thousands of dollars that way. That really supplemented my income. But this was my foray into learning about. 
about alternative types of maybe not wealth building strategies, but just simply money hacks at the time. And it really created that foundation for me to start devouring a lot of this content on the internet. And it really started me to get into the personal finance world. And back then, it was just a bunch of blogs at the time. There were no podcasts. There were no YouTube at the time. It was just having to go through a lot of text and read stuff on very poorly organized websites. As far as people around me, nobody really talked about money in my family and even in our extended family. And in fact, I think maybe this is a Hawaii thing or just how my family is. We were taught to be very frugal and not talk about money. Keep it to yourself. You don't want to flaunt what you do or don't have. And I didn't have any rich uncles. I didn't know anybody that had a million dollars net worth or greater to help me discern what is the way that you're supposed to do it in the traditional way where all our parents did it, being frugal with our money. And what was the way that the wealthy did it, where they took their money and used good debt and invested in alternative investments. And looking back, I wish I had an accredited investor that could show me the light as opposed to just learning it on my own over the past decade. But nevertheless, I didn't have that and it was just me and the internet back then. As far as when I started to work, my first job, it wasn't very fun. I can remember that first day of work where we started in Seattle, Washington, traveled all the way to Spokane and covered 200 miles. And then I flew back home that same evening and it was dark. And I was like, man, I hope I don't have to do that every single day. I think most young professionals can understand when you first start out, your first role isn't very glamorous. You're typically the grunt worker. I was a management trainee back then and eventually stepped into my role of managing construction crews where I traveled all over the Pacific Northwest and eventually Texas, Nebraska, all over the country. I was rarely home, which was fine. I guess I didn't have a family back then, but it became very established that my big goal was to get out of that day job. And the way I saw it possible, maybe I got the idea from some blog out there or some book was to increase my cash flow so that I could replace my W-2 day job income and break free from this paradigm of trading time for money. And in essence, it was all about freedom to do what I want, where I want, with whom I want on my terms. And looking back, I didn't understand it as clearly as I do now, where we have the wealth elevator metaphor, where you have these defined different floors. And we literally have a chart in the new book where you size yourself up and see which floor you're at. But I knew I was starting out. I, I had a hunch that I didn't have very much money. And it was the phase where I needed to invest that money potentially maybe even taking a little bit more risk in the beginning. It was definitely a very pivotal phase and a launch pad in an essence. If you're somebody out there who's a little bit unmotivated or thinking that it's going to be a long time, if you do it the traditional way, yeah, it's going to take decades. But if you're doing it the alternative investment way where you're going into investments that don't have all these middlemen going through 401ks and Wall Street companies, big REITs, just know that the basement isn't a dead end. You're going to get out of it pretty quickly, especially if you make a multiple six-figure income. This is all a foundation for the financial goals ahead. I think it's something that a lot of our credit investors really need to go through. 
Some people that work with us, they had the liberty to skip over the basement phase. And some of our older clients, they'll bring their kids as we're a very community-based organization. They'll bring the kids in and they'll really allow them to skip over the basement phase, maybe even skip over the first floor, which is owning rental properties. And they allow their kids to just go straight into syndications and private placements right away. Looking back on my experience, when I was in the basement and the first floor, the things I learned were looking back, very invaluable, learning the value of time and money. And if anything, just having an appreciation for the money that we have now, how difficult was it to get it when you're in the basement? To use an example for the first five, maybe 10 years out of college, I can remember just being really frugal with my money and looking at my bank account and just seeing that thing go up. Sometimes $3,000 a month, sometimes $8,000 a month. Sometimes it went negative because of a big expense. Over the six month year period, it, it definitely went up over time. But man, what is it? It's a grind. But through that process, it's very motivating. I built a lot of confidence. And now when, you know, deal cash out and you get this six-figure paycheck or you get this six-figure winnings check, I, I can see how people who skip over this basement phase don't have an appreciation for that money, where to me, I still know what it feels, although sometimes I forget and have to remind myself, I still know what it feels to get $20,000 because that was blood, sweat, and tears going in and out of a job that I didn't really like for almost a year. It took me to save that. If you're stuck in the basement now, just know that it eventually ends and you're going to appreciate it later. You're probably thinking, yeah, sure, dad, whatever. And maybe I'm also speaking to some of the older folks out there who do have substantial net worths, who already are credit investors and are looking to maybe just gift away a million, few million dollars to the kid. Something to think about. And it's something that I try to just distill my insights and my experiences. At the end of the day, you guys need to make your own conclusions on how you're going to distill this to your own family and family values. But getting back to the basement of the wealth elevator, in this time, you really start to figure out what is true value to you. Money is a tool. Money allows you to buy things, buy experiences, which we emphasize. But essentially, you're buying value. And when you start to ascend the floors of the wealth elevator, you start to realize that money is a magnifier and it just magnifies who you are. If you're a person who just blows money willy-nilly, when you have a lot of money, it's just going to go even quicker. But if you're somebody who's somehow able to find the sweet spot between spending money and getting enjoyment out of it, I think that's really what you're trying to distill. And when you ascend each floor of this wealth elevator construct, I think that's the big part of this. In fact, most of our investors are first generation net worth millionaires, meaning that their parents didn't give them a huge leg up financially and they had to make all their family net worth themselves. So for some of you guys who are looking a little bit more numbers-based, you guys can check out in the book, there's actually a chart where we break up the basement, the first floor, second floor, penthouse, etc., in terms of net worth. And to some aspect, your income level also comes into play, and this dictates which floor you're at. 
But basically, if you don't really have money, you've barely got 10, 20 grand net worth, you're just starting out, you're probably in the basement for the most part. And at this point, the name of the game is to build up a nice little investment base to eventually go and buy a rental property, which means that you may have to save $20,000, $30,000 of liquidity. So you can start to get on the wealth elevator and extend your net worth. Also, chances have it, if you're in the basement, you're on the younger side too, more than likely. And another thing, you may need to increase your income. So I think there's two types of people within the wealth elevator basement. Within the basement, you have folks that are making a decent salary, certainly over $100,000 a year. Now, accelerating through the wealth elevator is mainly designed to those making that nice, substantial income. For those people who make less than, say, $50,000 a year, you may need to focus first on building that income. And as mentioned at the top, we emphasize the net savings amount, which is the ability to save anywhere from ten dollars to $25,000 annually. And it ultimately comes down to personal expenses and budgeting, which we'll get to in a bit. But if you don't have that top line income, I think that's the first step here. But I, I just want to make that very clear. If you're somebody out there who doesn't make more than call it $50,000 as the general waterline, the Wealth Elevator podcast, the Wealth Elevator system that we have here probably isn't going to be for you. But that doesn't mean that you can't increase your income and then come to us later on. That's just the type of investors that we have. Look, I just consider myself lucky. Although I didn't have pretty much any net worth starting out, my parents did send me to college. And of course, I had student loans, but that allowed me to get a solid paying job, which I then was able to use that as a leg up. I definitely do recognize that not everybody is so lucky to be in that situation that I was in. Of course, I had to work hard to get a good degree from a good university, but I do recognize that does put me in the top 1% of the world out there. Certainly, that's not everybody's situation. But if you're like most people that come to our community, you have that good professional job and you're able to have that top line income. So then now we can work on the personal finance side, which sounds boring, but it is the budgeting portion of this. The the analogy that I like to use is tracking calories. A little while ago, I actually hired a health coach because I wanted to improve my health, lose some weight. One of the big activities that we had or the takeaways looking back is I needed to track my calories because apparently I just did not have a governor when I was full or what was a 2000 calorie budget. And looking back on my financial journey, there was a time in college where I would have a crazy spreadsheet where I would have all my income and expenses and I would track it very judiciously. I would use mint.com and I would categorize all the expenses Essentially, I would be counting my calories and over time, I would really learn what would it be feeling like to spend $350 on eating out, for example. Just like how somebody understands what a 300 calorie serving of chicken is. Now, it sounds tedious, just like counting calories in my fitness pal app, but I'll tell you, just like my fitness journey or my health calorie counting journey, you don't have to do it forever. There's going to come a certain point if you're an adult who is able to learn things and build baselines mentally where you can wean yourself off of the strict budgeting. 
But that said, I think a lot of people, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously one of the people who enjoy finances to some extent. And you're certainly like me who you might have an expense tracker or you may just simply use online tools like mint.com. I can definitely remember early on, I had this crazy spreadsheet where I tracked all my income and expenses, meaning like my rent, what I ate out, what I would go on vacations on, and even really tedious things like I would pay my car registration in June, for example. I think what really helped me was I built my own personal spreadsheet where on top going across the page would be the months. And what this allowed me to do is forecast in the future. If I was saving $3,000 a month, plus or minus a thousand, of course, I would be able to see at what point would I be able to save $30,000 to buy that first rental property. I think that's a big thing that even the most stoic of people, if you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel or can somewhat project when you're going to hit these small milestones, these small wins along the way, this financial journey can be very disheartening. And I think this is definitely the reason why people are either very wealthy and they get traction or they are just living paycheck to paycheck because they just don't do the basics, which sounds really easy and simple, but it's also easy and simple to get yourself down and become demotivated because it just is an endless tranche. I guess it's compounded by investing in the wrong things too. Again, a lot of the basics of the basement is just real basic personal finance and getting your expenses in order once your income is above $50,000, $60,000 plus range. So build a budget. I know you don't like it. You may think it's lame. Just know that it's the foundation and a lot of this is based off your having a positive net after after all your income that you're making minus your expenses. If you don't have that positive net, you're not going to go anywhere. And if you want to accelerate this further, ultimately, it's going to come down to increasing that net that you can parlay into more and more investments. Another concept of navigating the basement floor and as you start to transition to the first floor, which we'll talk about later on, is the understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt. Some people, and I guess at this point, you're really focusing on things that are hurting you, which is the bad debt, getting into high interest rate credit cards. But more importantly, buying things you can't afford or you shouldn't buy. It may mean the difference between owning a luxury brand versus a simple Honda or Toyota. Or maybe the difference between owning that 75-inch TV versus the 27, man. That's all you can afford. As you can see, there's another theme that's going on here, which is just self-recognition. Of course, we have that pull-out chart in the Wealth Elevator book. So you can see where you're at and then also look in terms of what strategy you should be doing in terms of investing, accredited investor banking, taxes, etc. But a lot of this is just understanding where you are at. And I think that's what's hard for a lot of people out there listening to this. And at least it was hard for me. Again, I didn't have any feedback. I didn't have any mentors. And ultimately, right now, you and I are having this conversation where it's just strictly one way here. That said, join our club by going to thewealthelevator.com slash club. Once you do that, you'll get some of our more in-depth courses and content. You'll get to educate yourself more. But for those people, we do allow you guys to have a free onboarding call with myself so we can start to build that relationship a little bit more. But more importantly, I can get in there so I can point you in the right direction. And my goal is to really help you expedite this learning curve. 
even when I was in the basement, I did things that weren't the most optimal. And like I said, if I had a mentor to help me and redirect me just a little bit, or maybe even a lot, that would heavily cut out a lot of the time that I would need to get to where I wanted to be. Now, if you self-identify as somebody who really needs a lot of the basics because you just happen to grow up in a family that wasn't super frugal and was a little bit spendthrift, that we do have a basic financial course within the Wealth Elevator member site, which you guys can get for free there. It'll go into a lot of the topics that we talked about here. And I'm just giving you some of the high level basic material on it. I don't think budgeting is very fun. I think a lot of people teach it a lot better than I do. But I think where my area of expertise comes in is more on beyond rental properties and getting into private equity syndication deals. And that's where my forte is. But what I'm trying to do in the Wealth Elevator project here is to get everybody on board, really to cater for the masses in a very scalable form, which this podcast, YouTube channel and website is. Just know that you may have to supplement the information, especially on these lower rungs with other information out there. But once you start to get to that first floor, second floor, that's, I think, where the wealth elevator really separates from anything else out there. Again, we specialize more with high net worth investors, people who make multiple six figures and are maybe already accredited investors. Or if you're a younger person, they call these guys Henry's, high income, not wealthy yet. Most of our investors are in their 40s and later. A lot of it takes time to get there. And the way we teach this stuff, we invest in things that are more value-based and not really super asymmetric return risk-based like crypto and altcoins and stuff like that where you can just lose your money real quickly. We follow more time-tested, more value type of investments that have great tax benefits. That said, it's going to take a while to get to where you want to be. I think it can take you about a third of the time that it takes by doing it the traditional way. So in the basement here, by the time you've mastered this level and move up and transition to the first floor, you want to aim to save five to $25,000 a year, ideally all pumping into investments to increase your top line to ultimately increase that net. Depending on where you come into here, you may have to explore other principles of frugality, budgeting, and maybe even get into the FIRE movement a little bit. For those of you who don't know what the FIRE movement is, it stands for Financial Independence Retire Extreme. A lot of these guys, they are penny pinchers. They tell you, don't go to Starbucks, don't spend $5 a day on coffee, just drink water. Where I think, at least myself, we prescribe to more of the fat FIRE side where we say... Yeah, in the beginning stages, the basement stages, the first floor stages, save your money in the beginning, but grow it over time. And at some critical mass point, you're probably going to see this in the higher levels of the wealth elevator is going to be an inflection point where you have so much money where you can just cash flow at eight to 10% returns and get to a point that we call zero gravity in terms of finances, where your money keeps growing and growing, even though you're taking care of your daily expenses. And this is a very cool point. And this is when things get exciting. I'll tell you, it's definitely on the horizon. It's going to take time. For me, I graduated in 2007. I bought my first property in 2009. I had 11 properties in 2015. But those first almost decade was just kind of like watching grass grow. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. 
So just know, like I said, it's going to take a while. But at some point, you're going to hit that hockey stick and then you'll eventually get to this critical mass number. And I'll talk about it in the later podcast, but this is the concept of endgame. For most families of four living in high-priced areas, living a very fat fire lifestyle, this could mean that your four to $5 million net worth is kicking off ten dollars to $20,000 of passive cash flow a month. If that seems very high to you, just do what I did when I first started and just start off with a goal of $1,000 a month of cash flow, then half of your salary, then your full salary. The whole point is to move on this journey and it's measured by your net worth and your passive cash flow number at the time. Just so you understand, most of our accredited investors, they make multiple six figures as a household and they're also saving at least $25,000-$50,000 or even a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. But the only way they're getting there is by taking the excess, their net cash flow, and parlaying that into investments. And that's really the secret of it. And of course, we have the tax strategies to help augment that and infinite banking. But don't get too intimidated by other people. What you're not seeing is the dedication going through the basement, the first floor to get to that point. It's a meticulous climb and you just need to stay focused out there knowing that the basement is not a destination. It's a stepping stone to getting to your elevated financial future down the road. So in the next several podcasts, I'll go through the other floors of the Wealth Elevators. You'll start to see the nuances between them. And you'll also see and understand the general guidelines between the net worth rungs and the income level rungs. Really what I wanted to do was give you guys an action plan out there. There are a lot of good books out there. I'm not going to say which ones that pump you up with a lot of mindset. And quite frankly, I think they're good ideas. But after you read the book, it's like, all right, what the heck do I do? I wanted to create the content within the Wealth Elevator book and podcasts and YouTube channel for you guys to make the information in there truly actionable. And truly actionable means that based on where you are at, which floor you're at, or the financial journey, which paradigm you're in, the strategies are different. The action items are different based on where you're at. And if it sounds confusing, it is. But that's where we say recognize which floor you're at and identify what strategies are based on what floor. It may mean that you're going into the remote rental e-course if you're on the first floor or the syndication e-course if you're on the second floor, which again, I'm teasing you guys, but we'll get to that in a bit. As far as taxes or if you maybe you shouldn't be doing a 401k Roth IRA type of tax strategy. If you guys need to supplement this with a CPA, feel free to reach out. We can connect you guys team at thewealthevader.com. But what we try to do here is educate you guys first so you guys can have the educated conversation with your tax strategist or most likely get a new one because a lot of these CPAs just don't understand this stuff. Credit and investor banking is another strategy and it changes based on where you are at, based on what floor you're at. Overall, I'm sorry, there's not one size fits all. It's a game of changes based on where you're at. And again, it comes down to personal finance. Be on the lookout for the next episode on the next floor. And if you guys need any help, feel free to reach out. We're here to help.